welcome to Mill City Church. I'm really excited to dive into God's Word together uh, this morning. But before we do that, I have a quick story to share. Now, last year, I went to get my usual eye exam, and most of you have done this. And if you've done it, you can all relate to what I'm about to say. I went into the doctor's office, and I sat in that chair, which we all know. And I tensed every muscle and opened my eyes, just waiting for the puff of air to hit my eyeball. I also endured the stress of going between, is A better or B better? Is one better or two better? And I also have to say, I sneakily tried to memorize the eye exam before they had me cover my eyes so that I could (laughs) read the chart well. (laughs) Now, after the eye exam, they said, well, you can get new lenses, but according to your plan, you also get free frames. I looked at them and said, no, I don't want free frames. Just put my new lenses in the old frames. You see, I had been wearing these frames for the last 10 years of my life. I'm a creature of habit. And I was so afraid that if I chose a different frame, I would be stuck with that for the next 10 years. And what if I chose a weird frame? But the lady came to me again and said, you don't understand. According to your plan, you're going to get a free set of frames. Now, those of you with glasses are thinking, Ushish, you fool, what a deal. Go take the deal. Get the free frames. And so after I Googled how much frames actually cost, I also came to that conclusion and said, wow, this is a really great deal. But I still was so overwhelmed by the choices of frames in front of me, so I did the thing that any sensible person would do. I just went and asked an employee, can you just pick a pair of frames that would fit with my face? Now the employee obliged, and so we walked over to the corner of the room, and she looked at a couple frames, and I told her what I loved about my old frames. And then she picked out a new set of frames, and she gave them to me. And she said, why don't you try these on? So with a lot of fear and trepidation, I took off my old frames, and I put on my new frames. And I looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, wow, I look more artistic. I look more scholarly. I look more mature. It seems silly, but these new frames changed the way that I viewed myself, and they were going to change the way that I interacted with the people around me. And these new lenses that they were going to put in these frames were going to change the way that I perceived my reality. So now, as Americans, I feel that we have a frame, and it's a frame that I tend to hold on to a lot. This frame is the frame of do, 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 or work, work, work. And especially in seasons that are really tense, the question that this frame leads us to ask is, how can I fix everything? What can I do? And inside these frames, we tend to put in the lenses of, I need to work harder, or I need to be better. Now, the problem with these frames and the problem with these lenses is it often leaves us feeling exhausted if this is the primary frame through which we're viewing life. And maybe some of you feel exhausted today. Maybe you're exhausted by the amount of emotional energy you've invested this last year. Maybe you're exhausted by the amount of resources in front of you and you have no idea where to start. Maybe you're exhausted by the amount of bad news that you're hearing. Maybe you're exhausted by the expectations you feel are placed on you in this season. Or maybe you're just exhausted trying to exist in the times that we're in. Now, things definitely need to be fixed, and I I need you to hear me say that. Things really need to be fixed. We live in a broken world, and I think God is inviting us to join him in the work of restoring these things. But what I'm suggesting is instead of starting with the frame of work, 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 or do, 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 I'm suggesting we start with a different frame. 
What if we started with the frame of dwelling or being before doing? Now, things need to be fixed, but the only way they can be fixed is through the Holy Spirit. And the only way we receive the Holy Spirit is through God's love. And so what if we put on the frame of dwelling? And what if the lens we put in that frame was, I am loved? We dwell in the fact that we are loved. Now, when you put on a new frame and you put on the new lenses, you'll find that you have these new glasses. See how I did that? And through these glasses, when we look at it through a lens of being loved, it changes the way that we view ourselves, and it also changes the way that we interact with those around us. It actually gives us energy to join into the work that God is inviting us into. Now, Paul today, who wrote 2 Corinthians, which is the letter that we're going through today, he lives his life from a lens of being loved by God. And this compels him to do all the work that God has called him to do. It actually transforms his life. And so we're going to discover more about this lens as we read our passage today and more about what that looks like when we put on that lens in our life. But before we dive into scripture, I don't know if you've experienced this, but switching glasses back and forth is really painful on the eyes and my eyes are struggling to reset. So in order to help me do that, I'm going to close my eyes. We're going to pray and then we're going to head into our text this morning. So would you join me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you that you love us deeply. You love us, you love us, you love us. And so Jesus, at the end of this message, Lord, I pray that that is the thing that we leave with, that we are deeply loved by God. Jesus, this is such a glorious message. And Lord, I am a vessel that you are using. And so Jesus, would you use my words and use my thoughts to be a fragrant offering to you? But Lord, also at the end of this message, would it draw us closer together? Would you give us wisdom on how we can be your church in the overwhelming times that we are facing? We love you, Lord. Would you guide us through the text? In your name I pray. Amen. All right, well, before we dive into our text this morning, a little context. Now, if you have not watched the Bible Project video on 2 Corinthians, I would really encourage watching that because it is really has been really helpful for me as I have walked through the structure of this letter. But a quick kind of abbreviated explanation. Paul is in a tough situation. Things with the Corinthian church, his relationship hasn't been the best. There have been a lot of low moments in their relationship. And just in general, Paul is going through a lot of hardship and suffering. Now, 2 Corinthians, the first section of it, gives us a reason for why Paul is going through this hardship and suffering, how Paul is able to make it through the overwhelming seasons. He is going through this hardship for the sake of the Corinthians, for the sake that they would know the good news that God loves them. Paul walks through the overwhelming seasons with a lens of being loved by God. It says in the NIV that Christ's love compels him to follow where God is leading. I love the way that the message puts it. Paul says, Christ's love moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Paul goes on to explain this love in our passage for today. And in the midst of the overwhelming and hard situations we face, it's an encouragement to put on that same lens of we are loved. So that's the lens we're going to be looking at. And we are going to start from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here in 2 Corinthians, Paul starts by explaining this love. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So what is this love? We talk about this lens of putting on the lens that we are loved by God, but first, what is this love? And right away, we see this love in action. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, the word used for reconcile in Greek comes from the word in Greek for exchange. And it was frequently used when they talked about exchanging enmity for peace or exchanging a relationship that was based on hostility for a relationship that was rooted in peace. When Paul talks about reconciliations in Romans 5, he says, we were once God's enemies. We were once stuck in our brokenness, living a life that separated us from God. Now, since the fall, like I said, we were stuck in our sin and brokenness with no way to restore this relationship to go from enemies to peace. But here we find the craziness and the depth of God's love. That the God of the universe who causes the sun to rise and set, the God who holds everything together, who sustains everything, including you and me, the God who angels bow down to and worship, the God who had everything, chose to look at humanity. Look at people who hoard toilet paper in times of panic. Look at people who frequently think about ourselves and our own needs. He looked at people who tend on ruining creation instead of really restoring it. He looked at people who ignore the cries of the suffering, people who are just plain awful sometimes. And he said, I want to be in relationship with them. I don't want to be separated. I want to be their friend. And he went one step farther in his love. God didn't just do this by coming down to be with us through Christ. It says in verse 21, God made Christ who had no sin to be sin for us that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. The message translates it this way. I'm going to read it. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God so that we could live lives that are forgiven. This is another exchange from going from enemies to peace. Now we go from people who were once defined by our sin to now we are defined as people who are forgiven. We were once stuck in our brokenness, and now we have the opportunity to be made whole. The Old Testament prophets talk about this when they say, by his wounds or by Christ's wounds, we are healed. Because of what Christ did on the cross, we are restored. We now no longer are defined by sin. We're defined by his righteousness. There's nothing we could do to earn it. God did everything so that he could be our friend. And now the invitation stands freely offered. Are we going to be his? Now, Paul chooses to accept that invitation and step into that love, and his life was transformed. And so all of a sudden, Paul finds himself in the midst of overwhelming seasons, in the midst of the triumphs, walking through a lens of being loved by God, being reconciled to God. And that's the same love that we get to step into today. So what happens when we step into God's love? 
Well, we read in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. A new life begins. It's another exchange. It's exchanging the old way of life, the things that once defined us, for a new way of life defined by God's love. And when we put on this lens of being loved by God, I believe it reveals two things. The first thing it reveals is it reveals a new relationship with God. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, we now have the Spirit who is with us wherever we go. We have a God who is with us. And when we live life through the lens of being loved, we get to see a God who is with us. Paul sees this God in the first part of 2 Corinthians when he says, thank God, the God of all compassion, the God of all comfort. In the midst of the overwhelming nature of his relationship with the Corinthians, he was able to experience a God of comfort, a God of compassion, and a God of healing. Now, when I think of comfort, I think of a God who is up close. I mean, I know we're in a time of social distancing, but if you could help it, you wouldn't comfort someone from afar. You'd comfort someone right up close to them, right next to them. A silly example of comfort is when I was a kid, I was super competitive. And as a matter of fact, as an adult, I am also super competitive. Those of you who are playing me in Words with Friends know this to be true. Now, as a kid, when I was competitive, what that entailed was even as I was playing a game, if my body was sending alerts at me, I would ignore it. And that happened when I was 10 years old. I was sitting in the airport waiting for a flight to go back home, and I was playing Uno with a group of kids. And as we were playing Uno, halfway through, my mind popped into uh, my brain and said, my mind popped into my brain, what is that? <laughs> I got an alert from my brain, and it said, Ashish, I think you really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 because I'm competitive, I need to win the game. I need to prove to myself that I can win. Now, 10, 20 minutes went past, and my body kept trying to send signals, and I kept trying to push them away. I was determined on winning this game. Now, as the time ended, it turns out I lost, but I put my cards down. I knew that I had competed well. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Oh, man. I have been ignoring these signals for the past 20 minutes. I need to go. So I threw down my cards, and I ran to the bathroom. Unfortunately, I was too late. My shorts were soaked. Yes, kids, Ashish peed his pants. This was a moment that was so embarrassing, so traumatic, so overwhelming. And to make matters worse, when I called my dad, I said, Dad, I need help. He's like, what happened? I explained him the whole situation. And I said, is there any chance that I can get new clothes? And he said, we checked in all your clothes under the plane. It was in the checked-in luggage. So I had no change of clothes. So I was sitting there, stinky and overwhelmed. Now, why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you it because in that moment, I experienced comfort. I experienced comfort from my parents. My dad, I don't know where he found these, but he went somewhere and he tracked down a new pair of socks so that I could at least be wearing clean socks onto the plane. And my mom, bless her, she organized seats on the plane so that I could sit right next to her and I could hold her hand throughout the flight. It didn't take me out of my stink and my feeling overwhelmed, but she sat by me the whole time, two hours back to Wisconsin. Now that's, I think, the God we serve. In the midst of when it seems like we're so overwhelmed, in the midst of the stink or smell in our life, we have a God who says, I am going to be with you. Through a lens of love, we see a God who is right next to us. 
And it doesn't mean that he takes us out of the situation. The Paul and the Corinthians, there was still tension between them, and I was still stuck in my smelly pants. But what it does do is it tells us, I'm going to help you navigate the season till it's done. And even when it's done, I'm still going to be with you. So through a lens of love, we see that God is a God who is with us. And also God is a God who is for us. In chapter 5, verse 19, Paul writes, he did not count our sins against us. God so wanted to be in relationship with us that he took our sin and brokenness, the sin and brokenness that defined us. And not only did he not count it against us, but he put it on himself. In Romans 8, Paul describes the beautiful thing of God being for us. He writes, he, had, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Looking through a lens of love, we get to see that we've been given many things to use for God's glory. Our personality, our talents, our time. But the greatest thing that we've been given is the Holy Spirit. Now, Steph Fetter talked about this a couple weeks ago, so I'd really encourage checking that message out. But one of the amazing things I love about the Spirit is the Spirit empowers us to step where God wants us to go. The Spirit is the one who transforms us to be more like Christ. It's the Spirit who gives us energy to go even when we feel like we're so tired. And it's the Spirit that reminds us of the hope that one day Jesus will come and make all the wrong things right. Because God loves us through this lens of love, we get to see a God who is for us, a God who gives us all that we need to join him in the mission that he has for us. So through the lens of love, we see a new relationship that God is with us and God is for us. And lastly, through a lens of love, we get to see a new purpose. It reveals new purpose. Paul encourages us to see that when we put on the lens of being loved by God, this love should compel us to live for the sake of those around us. Having been reconciled, we become Christ's ambassadors. You see this language in the text. We become God's representatives. It doesn't matter if you're three years old or 105. We are called to reflect who God is to the world around. We're called to reflect his love. In the same way that God is with us and for us, we get to be with others and for others as well. Now, many of you are doing this really well. You are with others and for others. You are fighting alongside others and for others. But maybe you are feeling really exhausted. But here's the hope. When we go through life with the lens of being loved by God, we realize that we have something that is really beautiful. We have access to something that is really amazing. Now, one of my favorite movies is Return of the King in the Lord of the Rings series. And yes, I am a nerd. Well, in the story, you have the main character, Frodo, who is on this journey, and he has a mission to complete. And on this journey, he has a faithful friend, Sam, who is there every step of the way. He encourages Frodo when Frodo feels like giving up. He reminds Frodo who he is when he forgets. He is there to help Frodo on this journey. Now, on this journey, as Frodo is nearing the end, all of a sudden, Frodo is beginning to feel the weight and burden of the mission that he has been given. And he collapses to the ground. He cannot go any further. And here's the most beautiful part in the movies for me. Is Sam kneels down and he wraps his arms around Frodo. And he looks up and Frodo, Frodo is just tired. He, he cannot go any further. And Sam looks at him and says, I can't carry it. I can't carry this burden for you. 
but I can carry you. And so then Sam takes Frodo and he puts him on his back and they continue on that journey. Because of the relationship that Frodo had with Sam, Frodo was able to trade his strength for Sam's strength. Now, Frodo still had a journey to go on. He still had a mission to complete, but he was able to do it because he went from strength to strength. Now, we all have burdens we are carrying, and one such burden I want to focus on right now is the burden of racial justice. Our hearts long for things to be made right, yet a journey that spans hundreds of years still seems so far from being over. Now, maybe you've spent your life devoted to pursuing racial justice, or maybe you've just joined in the fight the last two weeks, and that's amazing. But maybe as you're going through this, you're feeling so exhausted. You are at the end of your rope. You're saying, my strength is done. My love for the people that I need to be loving is gone. And here's the beauty of this relationship of living a life through the lens of being loved. We realize that when our love is gone, God is there right with us saying, here, step into my love. We get to go from our strength to God's strength. Sam is like God. God is like Sam. He's right there with us every step of the journey, encouraging us when we feel like giving, us, giving up, reminding us who we are when we forget. And when our love runs out, God says, step from your love to mine. I believe God carries these burdens with us, the burden for racial justice, the burden for that person who you're communicating with on Facebook. Whatever burden you're going through, you know what it is. You know the mission God has placed on your heart. God is carrying those things with us. And when we feel exhausted, when we feel like giving up, God says, here, move from your love, which has its limits, and move to my love, which has no bounds. On this journey, we have the opportunity to point people to a God who deeply cares for them, a God who is close to the brokenhearted, a God who brings joy and hope, and a God who will make the wrong things right. And we get to do that in his strength and in his love. And so when we live life through a lens of being loved, we see new relationship and we see new purpose. So that leaves us with the question, what does it look like to step into God's love? Well, first of all, we need to put on the lens. We need to actually step into God's love. Now, I'd love to say there's a five-step plan for stepping into God's love. But as I was thinking about it, I couldn't think of five steps that you need to do. All I could think of is in a relationship or friendship, how would you step into their love? How would you know that they love you? I thought of the girl that I'm dating right now, a girl who I love so dearly. How do I know that she loves me? How do I step into her love? There's no five-step plan. I just spend life with her. I am in relationship with her. And the more that I'm in relationship with her, the more I know how much she loves me. And I think that's the same with God. I, there's no five-step plan. It's just step in relationship with God. He's right there opening his arms out saying, come and be in relationship with me. Enjoy the friendship that I have to offer. And we have a choice. Do we step into that? Now, how has that looked like in my life? How has that looked? It's looked like me right now journaling and taking time reading God's word. Through reading God's word, I understand more of who God is, and I understand more of what God cares about. And through journaling, I get to write out my prayers and then entrust them to God. And if I hear God saying something, I get to write that down. In other seasons of life, that's looked like music and writing music and just listening to music. 
And just recently, something that I did was I actually popped on version on my phone and I put headphones in and I just spent time walking in creation, listening to God's word. These are things that I do to step in relationship with God. So what are the things that you are doing to step in relationship with God? You know what that looks like, but I'd really encourage you, take the time to invest in that relationship. That is how we get to know the type of love through which we're going to live our lives with. So step into God's love. And then once you step into God's love, I want to leave you with the question. If you believed you were truly loved by God, if you put on the lens that says, I am loved, how would that change your life? If I believed I was truly loved by God, how would that change my life? How would this lens influence the way I thought, I felt, or acted? I asked my missional community these questions, and here are some of their responses. Maybe you can relate to a few of these. If I believed I was truly loved by God, I would spend more time with God. If I believed I was truly loved by God, I would, it would make me feel like I'm visible and known by someone. If I believed I was truly loved by God, it would lift a lot of pressure off my shoulders. My performance mindset, the desire to prove myself would be gone. I would feel more free to live for the Spirit instead of being led by my own subconscious desires to be enough. I would be able to see myself the way God created me. I'd feel more whole. I'd be able to see myself as God's son or daughter as opposed to a sinner. If I knew that I was truly loved by God, I wouldn't be able to keep this love inside. Now for me, what would it look like if I truly believed that God loved me? For me, I would take off the lens of I need to be better. I am an achiever to the core, and I constantly find myself comparing myself with others around me, especially in this age of social media. It is so easy to look online and see the best of people's lives and think to myself, I need to be better. The question that usually gets asked is, what do I need to do? And instead of that leading me to a great next step, it becomes my identity. It starts to define my identity. I become what I am doing which is not where my identity lies. My identity should lie in the fact that I am truly loved by God. Can you imagine if we were people who joined God and his work from a place of feeling enough, feeling confident, knowing we're not alone, knowing God has given us strength, knowing that God delights in us and is inviting us to join him in making the wrong things right? And what if that led other people to knowing and stepping into and experiencing that love? I think the world would be a different place. So that's the power of putting on this lens, this gospel lens that says, I am loved by God. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we experience this indescribable and rich love. And when we step into that love, we experience new relationship and we experience a new purpose. It changes the way we see ourselves and it changes the way that we interact with the people around us. And it gives us energy to join into the work that God is doing in the world. The work that God is inviting us to join. So God loves you so much. Like I said, if you'd leave with nothing else from this message, know that God loves you so much. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word together with Mill City this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who loves us, a God who has reconciled us to you. You've taken us from being stuck in our brokenness to now being people defined by your forgiveness, defined by your love. 
And it's a love that changes our identity. It's a love that welcomes us into your family. And it's also a love that leads us to better love our community in your name. And so, Jesus, would we be people that reflect on the fact of what does it look like to be truly loved by God? How would that live my life? Lord, this week, if there are barriers to that, Lord, I pray that you would remove those barriers. Lord, I pray for a space where people can just sit in this fact and sit in your presence and so be energized to join you. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Like I said, if you'd leave with nothing else from this message, know that God loves you so much. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word together with Mill City this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who loves us, a God who has reconciled us to you. You've taken us from being stuck in our brokenness to now being people defined by your forgiveness, defined by your love. And it's a love that changes our identity. It's a love that welcomes us into your family. And it's also a love that leads us to better love our community in your name. And so, Jesus, would we be people that reflect on the fact of what does it look like to be truly loved by God? How would that live my life? Lord, this week, if there are barriers to that, Lord, I pray that you would remove those barriers. Lord, I pray for a space where people can just sit in this fact and sit in your presence and so be energized to join you. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.